This week on Ultra 64, we're playing the only Nintendo 64 game based on a novel. That's right, it's Thomas Pinchon's Gravity's Rainbow Six. Ultra 64, where the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week, we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. We are splitting up into teams, and we are coordinating our efforts to try and take it down. My name is Steve Guntling. I am Gold Team Leader Woody Siskowski. Welcome to the show. We, uh, we are may very have, small teams. We may have very. Uh, we may have misrepresented the title of the game we are playing today. It's actually Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Though Gravity's Rainbow is about a missile, is it? Yeah, yeah it's about read. the art. No it's, one's read. It's it, one of those Steve. books I pretend I've read, but yeah. I never. Oh read my it. gosh, yeah. I, I tried to read it. Like uh, I'm like, you know, I should get into these difficult books, and I got about five pages in. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah, that 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 is a scary book to try and read because you uh, you read words and nothing goes into your mind. We should uh, start a podcast about that one about uh, reading a, about reading a difficult book. That's yeah. a good idea. I think we should do Maybe that. Maybe someday it will happen. Maybe someday. Just friends, keep an eye on your uh, your your podcast feed coming soon. J E S T J E S T. Yes. Anyway, yes. get early promotions out of the way because <laughs> we we are we are literary folks on this podcast. We, we are we are we are we got book smarts. We're, we got, we're talking we're talking pages. Yep. We're talking words typed on those. Pages? We're talking papyrus oh, and yeah. print. Oh man, absolutely. Yeah, we're done. I mean, it, it sometimes like if you arrange words, I don't know if you know this. If you arrange words in a certain order, it's like a secret code that tells a story. I did not know this. It's a whole thing. Like some people are really, really good at it. Uh, one of these guys who was apparently okay at it was a guy named Tom Clancy. Thomas Clancy. He was a Irish folk singer. Correct? Thomas Willingham Methuselah. <laughs> Clansford the 18th. Yep. He Full came, name. A lot he of people came don't know here that. with his brothers in a little <laughs> rowboat. <laughs> Rains of folks. The problem is they left Baltimore. a fox and a bag of birdseed. Yeah. They had to get it across the river. How many trips did it take Tom Clancy and his eighteen brothers to get across? <laughs> um, it took six. That's how they got the title oh, of this is. novel. And they saw a rainbow at one point and uh-huh. decided they were all gay. Exactly. That's great. And, it's a very um, uplifting story. Um, so, end of podcast. <laughs> that was a great game. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. So uh, Tom Clancy is. Um, I would call him the ultimate dad author. What do you think? It's uh, what about him Clive Cussler? Clive Cussler is up there. Or Tony uh, Hillerman. Yeah, okay, Tony Hillerman's up there. I, I still think it's Clancy, They, have, though, they right? have a dad off. I mean, my dad's personally always been more about Lee Child. I don't oh, think he's yeah. ever really read sure. much of, uh, of There's Clancy. a lot of dad authors. But this is kind of like, the, the kind, that's kind of the joke. It's like, this is, this is Tom Clancy books are what you get your dad on Father's Day if you can't remember what else but they Tom like. Tom Clancy's kind of the grandfather of those. I mean, like... He was sort of the guy who brought the the dad military thriller into the mainstream, right? I think so. And I know so. that Hillerman is not that. But. And I mean, I think you you and I, we have like older dads, so I think they're more in the Tom Clancy. I think people a little <laughs> younger than us have Send have in pictures of your the, hot uh, dads. Send in hot dad pictures. That's what the internet's all about. Hashtag daddy. Uh, I feel weird talking about my dad like that. Anyway. Well, you don't have to send in a picture of your hot dad, Steve. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good. It's good. My dad, okay, wait, is, let's, my let's dad is disconcertingly hot. Let's make this not weird. Send in pictures of your friend's hot dad. There we go. There totally go. normal now. Okay. Totally normal. Um, so yeah, but he, uh, Tom Clancy is kind of an unlikely guy to inspire a whole video game it's, empire. Just if you consider crazy his target audience, crazy to think of because like 
Tom Clancy is like a brand and a franchise in of himself. Yeah. And obviously he's a hugely, you know, he was a hugely successful, prolific author. Mm. Um, but I almost feel like his legacy is going to be more in video games. It's definitely kept him relevant, like, to younger people. There's a lot of people who wouldn't know who Tom Clancy right. was I mean, if it weren't for the video game He is still writing books despite the notable handicap of being dead. Normally uh, that slows people down. No, but he, he keeps pumping them out. They just yeah. happen to be written by other people, but they still have his name in very big letters on the cover. And that's, um, it's it's literally a brand. The brand's name is Tom Clancy's, yeah. and it's like a, it's a, it's a whole franchise now, and you really have to give Clancy credit because he saw the potential in video games where no one else did. And we were really racking our brains trying to think of another, like, literary figure that has, like, an empire like this. And I don't think there is one. No, no. I mean, like, yeah, most of the... There were people who tried to push to have this kind of thing. Like, you know, for the Spawn game, it's probably, like, called Todd McFarlane's Spawn Oh, sure, yeah, they were but, really trying to... Or, like, to... Clive Barker's the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Sure. Another dead author who... I mean, there but... is a game on Dracula called Bram yeah, Stoker's Dracula. It is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I mean, like... I, I think it, with Clancy, it helps because you kind of know what you're expecting. You see Tom Clancy on the cover of a book, and you kind of know... Yeah, so... You're getting, like, a military-focused... Techno thriller, lots of kind of espionage and paranoia have and you, uh, international have relations. Have you read a Tom Clancy? I have book? not. No, Me I never have. Either. I am a big fan of. Uh, uh, well, most I've seen all the movies, uh, the Jack Ryan movies, except for the Chris Pine one. And uh, I, I've watched Hunt for Red October many, many times. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that movie. So, yeah. So, Hunt for Red October was kind of his breakthrough book. I think he... It was his first one. Yeah. yeah he was an insurance salesman in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always just been kind of a... You know, it, I, I imagine that Tom Clancy and I would have some differences of opinion. But yeah. I think that... I think he's kind of one of us in terms of being a little bit of a nerd. For sure. Um, his yeah. area of expertise. He just it's definitely like a gun military equipment nerd. And I mean, it's worth it. And I was very surprised when I learned this from researching. Uh, Clancy never served in the military. Uh, right. Not for lack of trying. He, he got rejected for his poor eyesight. But, uh, yeah, he actually never served in the military, which is very interesting because he comes from a very informed place. Mm-hmm. And he's he appeared on the news a lot back when he was still alive of, you know, talking about military tactics and things like well, that. And he's like a pundit. That's the appeal of his books. I mean... You know, his books are pulpy in the mm-hmm. sense they're not, like, super literary. And he's open about that. He's sure. not... He, he wants to sell copies, and he likes what he likes. But there's certainly... You know, he does his research, and there's a lot of sort of tangents he goes into about, like, where various tanks were used and where various technologies were invented. And, you know, I find it a little bland, but... Uh, you know, but some, for some it, people it works. It works for that people, and that's great. Anything that... You know, strikes people's interest to get them to read a book is, I think, a worthwhile thing. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, I don't think until Clancy sort of hit this big success that the military thriller was much of a genre. No, I think he definitely popularized it. I mean, espionage thrillers and stuff like that have been popular for years, but uh, this very specific brand, like, you know what you're expecting if you see a Tom Clancy name on your game or on your book. Like, you kind of, you get a good idea of what it's yeah, going to be much like. the same way that, like, Ernest Cline's Ready Player One is just so blatant about, like, referencing sort of nerd culture. This is just very blatant about, like, going in-depth and reference and ta- explaining all these technical aspects to you. Yeah, uh, of yeah. The military's machinery and tanks. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And so, like, like, 
I was trying to think of some other think, examples um, of like. Do you think on Tom Clancy's? So Tom Clancy died uh, like what four years ago? Oh uh, yeah, two thousand thirteen. Do you think died, on his tombstone yeah. it says "Thanks for the memories"? <laughs> I, I really hope so. <laughs> that was his style. I right? hope it says "Tango Down." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I, I was looking into some other like games based on books. There's mm-hmm. quite a few based on books. I think uh, Douglas Adams was the early pioneer of this. The, okay. the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is kind of like. One of the pen, one of the best uh, text-based adventure games, the, besides the, like that and Zork, you know. Well, the text-based adventure translates very well to a book adaptation. Oh, You've definitely. had this copy of Discworld sitting on your desk for a long yeah, time, and yeah. that's that's another good one. And that's you know it's a like a point graphical like adventure. adventure. Yeah, uh, there are plenty of games that have been based on book series, like uh, The Witcher is a big one right now. Stalker. Wait, so was uh, the Witch, The Witcher was already a book series. The, uh, the Witcher started as a book series over. I think it was only in Poland or Czechoslovakia okay. somewhere, and uh, uh, then it kind of got popular yeah. because of the game series. I think in Poland. And soon to be a TV series. Wow. Um, and then like Witcher is like a franchise I have just totally missed and I know that people love it but mm-hmm. like I it was like nothing and then all of a sudden it was huge. And I'm like I'm I don't know if you would like it or not it, knowing your proclivities. I mean I, yeah, I think I think it's super open world, right? Super open world. Yeah. It's very long, it's very in-depth, but it does have a great story okay. and a great gravity. It's very involving. So, I don't know. Yeah. But you're also not a big like fantasy RPG kind of guy That's either. True. So, I don't know. Uh, but there was another, like, Stalker. I never played the game, but it's based on Roadside Picnic, which mm-hmm. is the inspiration for the uh, uh, the movie Stalker uh, by Tartakovsky, which is a great, weird Russian sci-fi film that you would never think would be a video game. Super-duper slow movies yeah. in black and white of people looking at stuff. That, the I movie mean, Stalker has that in space. I very much am. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, Wait, there are so plenty. is the video game Stalker based on it the is. same? Okay. Yeah, okay. it's based on that same I concept. Mean. And uh, it's a very, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious to try that out. I've never played that game. Uh, but no, again, none of those emphasize the author. I think the closest thing we've gotten to an attempted Tom Clancy's is uh, Clive Barker's. Uh, there was a couple of games, Clive Barker's Undying and Clive Barker's Jericho, uh, the latter of which was a really bad first-person shooter. Uh, and those never took off. Uh, there were also disrespect to Barker, but a yeah. couple uh, HP Lovecraft games, which um, oh yeah, 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 you know, sort of were a tribute Call to Call of Cthulhu was, and stuff like that. Yeah, but, Dark Corners of the Earth. I but again, like, cool. is HP Lovecraft's name above the credits on that? I don't know. See, that's the probably thing. not. And, and like, it's probably more known as like you know Cthulhu is the big name. There. Yeah, and obviously Harry Potter is huge, but it's not sure. Jerry. It's not J.K. Rowling's Harry <laughs> Jerry Potter. Jerry Keith Rowling. Harry, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the author that it would make the most sense to have this kind of uh, uh, multi-platform universe would be Stephen King. Mm-hmm. But that just doesn't exist. Like, there are no Stephen King video games. Which is crazy. It's crazy to me that there's no Running Man video game. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or, or The Stand would make a great video. Like, sure. lots of his titles would make really great, like, survival horror video games. It, uh, it would be great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to to that end, I think the the closest thing that we have is Alan Wake, mm-hmm. which is just very heavily influenced well, and by... Smash. Uh, TV, and which Smash is based on well, Running Man pretty Smash much, TV. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, alright, a little bit more about Tom Clancy. Uh, he was born in 1947 in Baltimore, died in 2013. And he pretty much lived in Baltimore almost his whole life. Pretty he's much. Sort of, he's like a big Baltimore celebrity. Yeah, yeah. He's got, like, the most valuable property by far in the, oh, in really? the area that he lives in. Yeah, it said that the uh, a few years before he died, the property taxes that he paid on his... Uh, 
I think like 50 acre lot or something were higher than like the rest of the neighborhood oh, com- Jesus combined. Christ. Oh man, that's <laughs> insane. Uh, for, for much of his life, like we mentioned, he, he tried to get into the army reserves but couldn't get in because of his eyesight. So much of his life he worked for an insurance agency and he would write novels in his spare time. Mm-hmm. And he completed and sold uh, Hunt for Red October in 1984 to just a very, very small imprint. But uh, that one started getting the, the copy started getting around, mm-hmm. and eventually a copy got to President Ronald Reagan, who gave it an enthusiastic endorsement, and then it got picked up by a bigger label, and it went on to sell nearly four million copies. It was a huge, huge hit. I mean, and you know, kudos, kudos <clears throat> to him for just sort of making it happen and just sure. li- you know working his day job and just writing a book and getting it published, and he, you know, it, he timed it perfectly right because definitely his sort of. He's, it's a very black and white viewpoint of like good guys, bad guys, oh, and very it was much. sort of right um, during you know Cold War, Cold War fever. So Ca- it's, it's lots of like catch square it. jawed, very serious, very capable Irish Catholic men. Yeah, fighting it, Ruskies. Yeah, so it, at that time it would have been a perfect you know timing for that to come out and hit it big. Yeah, and he sort of rode that success to you know just that book was so successful that he became a millionaire like instantly just Pretty from quick. that book. Um, the publishing company gave him like, you know, a couple million more to write three more books, um, and then he sold the movie rights to yeah. that as well. Um, yeah, that movie. Uh, the and I've Hunt- never seen that movie with oh, Sean Connery, right? I really like it. Uh, like, if, I, if it, I'm it's gonna from watch 1990, John Milius, uh, Sean Connery, and uh, Alec Baldwin are the leads. But you have a great cast in there: Courtney B. Vance and and uh, all these amazing people. What, are in what's there. the? If I have never, I don't think I've ever seen like a good submarine movie. Should I do that oh, or Das man. Boot? Oh, do Das Boot first because mm-hmm. uh, that's like a masterpiece. Sure. But Hunt for Red October is a surprisingly solid movie. Like I've had film professors like use that movie as kind of an example hmm. for some very basic film concepts like matching eyeline and how to pace an action scene and stuff like that it's a movie i uh, i kind of put that on in the background a lot sure because it's very dialogue heavy and it's kind of like comforting in that sense but it's interesting and it's smart so and you don't need to pay attention to it it might just be a very specific thing that appeals to me. I think you also just summarized, you know, Tom Clancy's writing style very well. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, well. yeah. It's, it's dialogue heavy and it's smart, but you don't need to pay that much attention right, to it. Right, it's not super demanding. So, And it's a movie I've seen enough times I'd put it on the background, you know. But I've seen most of um, uh, most of the movies uh, based on the Jack Ryan character that was introduced in Hunt for Red October. And there is a new Amazon series where John Krasinski is playing the character, and it's really good. Like, I was very surprised at how quality that show was. It is, um, it is odd. I mean, I think – I don't know if Tom Clancy – Tom Clancy's estate must have a sort of a big say in this stuff because it is amazing the level of quality. For a guy who's clearly like loaned out his name yeah. to so many things, he's kept a pretty high level of quality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, man. I, I remember watching the movie Some of All Fears mm-hmm. because uh, – it, well, it, that was a very controversial movie at the time because it came out, I think, like two, three weeks after 9 11. Mm, and one of the key plot points. Attack, right? Yeah, it's about Baltimore being destroyed by a nuclear weapon. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that one was pretty controversial at the time. And that was when Ben Affleck played Jack Ryan, the one and only time. Uh, he, li- he likes to come in for a lot of one and only uh, <laughs> uh, uh, interpretations of a character. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 
as far as politics goes, Clancy was kind of an old it school should, Reagan. Yeah, it should era surprise Republican. nobody that Tom Clancy no is a right wing fellow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, if you just read his books a little bit, you're you're uh, you can get a good idea of that. Uh, there was a quote. Uh, I read a quote. He said that the government is good at two things: killing bad guys and taking your money. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, and that kind of tells me, like, I think were he alive today, I don't think he'd be right. like a, a Republican anymore. I don't. You know, he, he's a guy who kind of made his bones on uh, uh, paranoia about the Russians, sure. and uh, I don't think he cottoned to a president who cozies up to them so much. I think he just very much dislikes politics right. and politics. I think he was offered to run sometime. He did. A couple as, he, yeah, he was offered he, a couple times. You know, his interests it. were just writing military thrillers and owning the Baltimore Orioles, or and, part, part of them. And so. telling kids to get off his lawn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, for, you know... For what he believed, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He set up a foundation to, you know, help help cure kids' cancer. That yeah. can be... And this this does he kept his back. head. He doesn't have one like a horrible Twitter presence where he like called out people. And right. Things like that. Yeah. I think of, that's the that's the deciding thing. I mean, he kind of harkens back to an era where like people could have political differences and yeah. still be respectful of each other yeah. i think you know so and you know, know and it's cool that i'm he, not really pining for that like i'm not i'm not trying to lionize a dude sure. or anything but like it's still you know that there, there was an era for and i just feel like he you know he put these themes in his book obviously his books are very pro-military and anti like you know government fluff and things like that the military not fluff right um yeah, but yeah, yeah. like he just kind of integrated them into a way to try and make an exciting story, and sure. they weren't, I don't know, they they were propaganda for the military, but they weren't like propaganda for a specific belief. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think at, at the bottom of everything, he's just a nerd. You know, he's just a big old nerd for <laughs> well, this and, stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, let's, let's trend. Do you remember, do you remember the yes, Simpsons episode? Yes, so on? there's yeah. weirdly... I thought he was in the book fair one with Stephen King. Oh. He is in that episode, but it's not him doing his voice. That's right. And he comes back for the one where Marge writes her own novel. Yes. And that is him doing his own and voice. And that's him. And they also get like Amy Tan and a couple other. No, John see, Uptight. you're getting him confused. Oh, see. Th- there's why two, did we do that? N- well, there's 30 years of show. Sorry. This is <laughs> random Simpsons minutia. Sorry, listeners. There's the one where Krusty's daughter comes back. And that's the one where they go to the book fair. And Tom Clancy is in that. And Mo asks a question about the B two bomber, mm. and Tom Clancy starts to answer, but then he says it was for Maya Angelou. Oh right, right. That's right. that episode, and yeah. then there's the, ep- but that's not actually Tom Clancy's right, voice. Right, right. And then there's the episode where Marge writes a novel, which is a different thing, which does have Tom Clancy's voice. Back to the podcast. There you go. And Thomas Pinchon in that yeah. same episode. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but I'm he, sure it's not his voice, right? No, it's his voice. Oh but, really? Uh, he's the 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 gag was that he came on wearing a paper bag over his head. Did he actually record with the paper bag on his head? Well, no, but his his character was. <laughs> Animated with a paper bag okay. over his head, so we didn't wouldn't see his face. Uh, but that that was his. Uh, and the joke was that he's such a reclusive yeah. author, but he's trying to get people to come in and like visit him. Oh, uh, right, he had like signs visit. Anyway, Tom Clancy. Uh, Speaking of Tom Clancy being a nerd, yeah, he founded a video game company. Insane. Yeah. Like, let's let's jump in a little bit and talk. I'll, I'll start to talk about this game. We're gonna uh, crisscross and go back a little bit, but uh, I'll give you the basic details here. So, uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six was released November 17th, 1999, developed by Red Storm Entertainment and Sapphire Corporation. I've and never published heard of by Red, Red Storm. Storm Entertainment. <gasps> Red Storm Entertainment might be interesting. This game was also released on Windows, Mac, PS1, Dreamcast, and Game Boy Color. Um, 
So Rainbow Six first hit PCs back in 1998. It was a massive smash hit. To put that in context, this was the 12th highest grossing game in a year that also included Half-Life, StarCraft, Ocarina of Time, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil 2. Generally considered one of the best games ever, year <laughs> ever for games. Um, but it was somewhat of a surprise that this game was brought to the N64 because it was a pretty cutting-edge title and the, the console was kind of in its waning years. Uh, and it was even more surprised that it turned out pretty well. Uh, most critics gave it favorable marks even to the PC version. Um, so a little bit about these companies. Sapphire Corporation, uh, we talked about before. Uh, they worked on the N64 classic Cyber Tiger, Biofreaks, <laughs> and the Rampage games. Ooh, winners. Winners and, all. Uh, their last game was a Game Boy Advance adaptation of the failed movie adaptation of Thunderbirds. Which I think might be the very definition of going out with a whimper. I have no... I, you just said nonsense to me. <laughs> so it's it's the forgotten big screen adaptation of a forgotten 1960s kids show made for the Game oh, Boy Advance. Oh, wasn't it a kids show that puppet, had puppets? Marionettes. Was, okay, yeah, I do yeah. know what this is. They made, they made a live action version with Bill Paxton uh, starring and directing, and no one saw that. <laughs> no. Uh, and so Red Storm Entertainment, let's talk about them. It was founded in 1996 by none other than Tom Mephistopheles, Jimmy John Clancy. The 18th. Uh, he was uh, he was joined by a former uh, Royal Navy commander named uh, Doug Littlejohns and a developer great named name. Steve Doug Reed. Doug Littlejohns. I know, that's great. Uh, they started the company specifically as a vehicle to push uh, Clancy's novels out into the virtual world. There had actually been a couple of Tom Clancy adaptation games previous to this, including multiple versions of Red October, including a very bad one on the NES, you might remember. Sure. But th um, those are like, those are games that are obviously, you know, based on his work, but they're just really shoehorned in to sure. like, oh, it's a submarine, like, and you pilot it around, but it doesn't play in any sort if, of way. If that's... I remember, the Red October game on the NES played the same as the Jaws game on the NES. Ooh, and that is not what you want. You don't <laughs> want any game want. to play the same as if the Jaws I, game. I might be wrong about that. Um, it's been a while. But yeah, and we'll but, get to this. Rogue... Yeah, Red Storm Rainbow gave them sick. Like, yeah, they're like, con control over the franchise. This is them starting with the material and then deciding how to make the game sort of fit that as yeah. opposed to the other way around. So, yeah, and, and uh, Rainbow Six is kind of the first game under... No, it's actually not, I'm sorry, but it's the first big game under the Tom Clancy's logo. Uh, this one, you know, since it was such a big hit, it kind of gave them a lot of control. Uh, the company Red Storm was acquired by Ubisoft in 2000, and it's been there ever since. And the studio still focuses mostly on Clancy's games, but uh, they've consulted on games like Far Cry 4, mm -hmm. which is excellent, and uh, still going strong. They've got 100 employees, and uh, The Division 2 is their most recent game, and it's been selling quite well. Yeah, so that's crazy to me. I mean, again, I said I was out of touch with The Witcher. This is another French, like... I don't think you and I have a ton of experience mm -mm. in the Tom Clancy franchise. Like, I think no. we both played the Splinter Cell games. Yeah. Like those a lot. Those yeah, are yeah, very yeah. good. Um, but, like, The Division 2 is a huge game. It's, huge. like, super popular. And, and it's I, not something I would... I would not recognize it if someone was playing it. Oh, my eyes would, like, glaze right past it if I was in the uh, game store. Like, yeah. I wouldn't notice. Like, it, it just... It doesn't stand out. I was looking at the cover. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's vaguely familiar. Yeah. Um, so the first game in the Tom Clancy's brand was Tom Can Clancy's Politica, which is a real-time strategy game for the PC, which is based on one of the Power Play series of novels. Uh, and that game was a modest success, but it, uh, Rainbow Six was really the, the big one that kicked everything off. 
And since then, there have been multiple sub-franchises that have come under the Tom Clancy header. So there's uh, Splinter Cell, there's Ghost Recon, mm-hmm. there's End War, there's Hawks, and there's End the War. Division. End War is the only one oh, that did End not War. get a sequel. Okay. Um, the, and people did not really like the voice-only controls on that one. Whoa. We talked about that a little bit on Hey You Pikachu. Okay. It's one of the games that only uses a headset microphone to control your characters. <sighs> Boy, yeah. Real-time strategy game. It doesn't been, work very well. Yeah, it's weird to go through eras where there's just, like, bizarre gimmicks. Because there's a lot more voice-activated games than you would think. There was, like, a weird phase, I think, on the Xbox where there were, like, two voice-activated games where you, like, guided a woman through... Lifeline. Mean, Lifeline, yeah, Lifeline. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I'm sure all these games were terrible, but it would be interesting to go back and try and play. I want to try. Yeah, I want to try. I want to get a copy of Lifeline with those shitty old PS2 uh, headsets and see if I can make it work. I doubt it works anymore, but I'd be I'd be pleasantly surprised to find out. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the games have gotten really huge since shifting to a more online-oriented focus. So the most recent Rainbow Six game is Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, that came out in 2015, and it's still a huge draw. There's still as many as 10 million active users playing it just this last year. And uh, between Ghost Recon Wildlands and The Division, uh, Tom Clancy brand is about 50 million active players per year. That's crazy. That's insane. And there are some series like Splinter Cell and End War that have gone full circle, and they've inspired their own novels now. So now there's Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell novels, not written by Tom Clancy at all. Yeah. But, and it's based on the video game. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of an insane franchise to come up around an author. Yeah, and, I mean, I feel like the success, I mean... I'm not sh- the success of the military shooter like came along like from this. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure like maybe Counter Strike. I think Counter Strike came a little later. Uh, I just look. Counter Strike came out in 1999. Yeah, that's so fair. Half, it was a Half Life mod. Yeah, so it came out a year um, after. Yeah. And you know the military shooter is a whole different. Like when you compare it to Doom. So like, what are the differences? So Doom, if you say Doom is your baseline yeah. um, shooter, and like Wolfenstein, and like Wolfenstein, I wouldn't say is a military shooter. You know what no, I mean? Because like really. this is kind of a genre in of itself. It's more like one man army kind of deal, yeah, right? Yeah. Where in those games you could take a bunch of damage, uh-huh. like you can just get shot at repeatedly. Like there's not very much planning involved. You just sort of run around and blast dudes. And whereas the military shooter, this is much more based around like you will die really fast mm-hmm. if you run in and someone's behind you. So you need to sort of plan where you're going, and you have a whole squad that you can equip in different ways. Um, and I guess just what I really appreciate about, um, you know, the Tom Clancy's brand is, like I said, I feel like they started with what made Tom Clancy's writing appealing. Yeah. And then they're like, how can we take these elements and put them into video games? And they sort of invented this new genre that is, you know, huge. And yeah. like, it led to Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, all of this kind of stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see like someone take a big chance like this and for it to pay, pay off. Because like, yeah. this is not the kind of shooter that people were playing in 1998. People no. were all about Goldeneye at this point. More arcadey, more twitchy, you know. This one required you to slow the hell down for quite a bit. And uh, it, it wasn't guaranteed that that was going to take off. But this and Metal Gear Solid came out the same year. So I think people were starting to develop more of a taste for stealthy games. Or sure. like a little more slower paced game. Or let's say deliberately paced. Yeah. You know, that sounds more pleasant. So uh, from, from all accounts, Clancy was actually pretty involved in the production of this game. Uh, he provided this team with story notes, and he connected them with all of, their military con- all of his military contacts to help kind of keep things accurate. And uh, originally, this was just going to be a game. But uh, during production, Clancy decided to write an accompanying novel, and that was released the same month as the game, about two weeks beforehand. That's uh, cool. 
And uh, I, I'll give a Cliff's Notes version of the plot here because it's a 900-page novel that goes yeah, along with it. Yeah, this man really want that. Fat novels. Oh like, yeah, he they turns are it around. Big, quick. big, big. And even if you look, if you look at the novels, they're very dialogue-heavy and it's very big type, so it's going to go quickly. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely they're chunky. So uh, this game focuses on John Clark, who is Clancy's other badass character. He's appeared as a peripheral character in some of the Jack Ryan stories. Uh, if you saw Clear and Present Danger, he was played by Willem Dafoe in that one. So picture really, Willem Dafoe. Really a bland name for your badass. Yeah. John Clark and Jack Ryan. Yeah. yeah, he's not great at naming these characters. Uh, Clark is now the head of a super elite strike force known as Rainbow Six, which is a multinational team that's brought in to take on the kind of the worst of the worst of the worst. Uh, Clark is the organizational leader, but the on-the-ground lead is Domingo Chavez, codenamed Ding. <laughs> Domingo Ding Chavez. So that's a better name than John Clark. Yes. Uh, and that's uh, Clark's son-in-law. So soon after the team is formed, they find themselves responding to crisis calls involving an eco-terrorist cabal called the Phoenix Group. Uh, Rainbow soon learns that the Phoenix Group is actually being controlled by a close ally named John Breitling of the Horizon Pharmaceutical Group. And uh, they uncover a terrorist plot by Horizon, excuse me, where they're planning to unleash the Ebola virus on the Olympic Games in Sydney. So this is our second uh, Olympic game. The novel and the game were both kind of developed in tandem. So uh, Cl- Clancy finished the novel before the game was finished. So the it, thing, the plot deviates about midway sure. through. And here. I mean, this game, I would say this game's presentation is pretty good, but it's yeah. not very plot heavy. Like you, they sort of have before each level, there's just an intel briefing where you read what's going on and where you are and why mm-hmm. you need to rescue these hostages. But there's not really cutscenes or anything. No, not really. Or, or vo- in the the missions don't seem to have that much to do with each other. Like the first one, you're in South, you're in the Congo, I think. Or yeah, you start in the Congo. I think the next one's in Brazil, right? Yeah. And so then... you're just moving around a lot, fighting this terrorist group and rescuing different hostages. Right. And the second from... one, you're in Brussels. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. For the, from from the uh, handful of missions that we played all of them were revolving around uh finding hostages mm-hmm. and getting them safe uh you don't necessarily need to kill all the bad guys in a stage it helps but you don't need <laughs> yeah to. It, it's hard not to because they can kill you so quickly and so you just want yeah. to feel safe by going through and clearing them out and like you said this game is the one that popularized the concept of one shot one kill uh which is a kind of a, a niche gaming thing of uh, <laughs> realistic bullet damage. Uh, now, it was not exactly one shot, one kill. There were a couple of times where we took a couple of shots before going down, but uh, you do die pretty quickly, and you can die from And the shot. enemies also die very quickly. Like, they do. And so this game is... Ve- so the basic premise of this game is that you select four dudes. You get, you get this menu before every mission where you can pick who you want to select. Um, there's These guys have a ton of different stats. This game is has an impressive amount of depth um like but i also never felt like i was lost like i felt like i would i mean we we struggled a bit to to parse out some of the controls sure. there you know and we'll get to that but the but, trade-off here is yeah. so yeah like uh, you're picking through four different squad squad members who have like 15 different statistics with yeah. meters of like how aggressive they are their leadership their composure how good they are with explosives their stealth and it, it's a lot. It's done in a fairly intuitive way, but I never quite could tell. There's, like, too much going on to be able to tell the difference of what matters and what doesn't. And that's fair. And uh, I think it, it's going to be more on the micro level yeah. uh, to really tell what some of these stats mean. But this does have an interesting kind of setup for the game, like you're talking about. The, the game is split into basically two modes. There's planning mode, and then there's execution mode. Mm-hmm. So planning mode is what you're talking about. It's All just these menus. menus. It's just menus. You read your intel. You read your briefs. You... <laughs> 
whip everybody. Oh, Hanes. Oh, oh, oh. Hanes fruit of the way. What? Fruit of oh. the loon. <laughs> loon. Fruit, fruit of the loon. loon. They make it from swans. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> it's swan berries. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you uh, uh, set up your kit and everything like that, and uh, you can take a look at the map and kind of get a general idea of where everybody's going to be. Yeah. I mean, the map is very generous in this game. Um, oh yeah, it but will show you where the doors we did are. Learn the maps aren't going to appear unless one of your characters is equipped with a heartbeat meter. I think maybe it just doesn't show the enemies unless you have a heartbeat meter. Oh, I don't think but... we were getting a map either. Okay. We well, I think that was just for the quick play. I oh, don't know. Be. The it point is, yeah. this game had a lot of stuff that we didn't even quite figure out all the intricacies of the systems. It's true. And it wasn't, uh, I, I didn't feel like it was because it, it wasn't working. It was no. just because we were There's crushed a lot the there. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I really like about this game and that, you know, is generally pretty common now, but it was not common at this time, is they overlay the map on your screen. Which um, I found it a little on the big side, but sure. but it's definitely I, I helpful. I would rather take a sort of big map that's in your way than having to switch between two screens. Sure. No, that's totally I, fair. I love auto maps. But on, there were points where like, I thought a wall was glitching out or something, but it turns out it was just a staircase appearing on my map yeah. like and it, because it was way out in the corner. But it is helpful, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I'd rather have the mini-map there, especially when uh, you're in a stealthy kind of game like this. Uh, so yeah, the emphasis, like we said, is on stealth and tactics. You're not really, you're kind of punished f- by rushing into situations, you know, right. like Cause you if you don't know shot. where the enemies are, they'll just destroy you. And you're like, I don't even know where I got shot from. Exactly. Yeah. We had a lot of stages like that where it's like, all right, we took out everybody in this room and then we step foot and somebody else gets us. So yeah. it's all about, uh, there's a lot of trial and error, I think, it, it, uh, because yeah. the enemies don't move. Like they, it doesn't like they're, it's not like they reset and they're going to be in a random place. And the time. levels are super small. Um, yeah. so this game, um, you know, there is a lot of, a lot of depth, a lot of things that you can sh- uh, set up. But probably, if you know where you're going, it will take you less than five minutes to beat a level. Yeah, um, yeah you can blaze through pretty quickly if you are good at which it. Which I also like, because it means that if you keep, you know, you're probably going to die quite a few times, yeah. and it's not super, you don't have to replay huge sections of exactly. the game. Exactly, and there's not, you know, this isn't the era where you would have quick saves or checkpoints or anything right. like that. You've got to start from the beginning. So it, that definitely is nice. Uh, and I, I do like the spirit of trial and error and... Um, yeah, I, I think that worked out really well. Um, so, I mean, to get some of the technical stuff out of the way, this game looks super muddy. Um, sure, but you know, you're in you're in jungles, but it it doesn't look bad. It just looks no. super dated. And I think because it has no personality to the graphics, and the, it's meant to look muted because your character is supposed to be able to blend in. Sure. It's supposed to be uh, darker environments because it's typically night when you're executing these missions. Uh, so it, it makes sense. This isn't like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a feature, not a bug. You sure. Know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, I don't think that it necessarily, I mean, it does look bad, but it also just looks fairly uninteresting, it, but it you looks, can see what you need to see. It looks like a PC game for 1998. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, set, that, set to low resolution, set to low res. Exactly. Exactly. A little fuzzy, but, uh, we could tell everything that was going mm-hmm. on as long as you don't look too closely at the hostages faces and the horrible, uh, death masks that they've, they've sure. going on. I'll post some pictures on our instagram on that uh just because they're kind of horrifying looking uh so you one of the cool things you can do we didn't quite figure out how to make this work but the go orders yeah so during the planning phase you can set places for your other you you split up into teams right off mm-hmm. the bat so you can choose to have everybody on one team you can do like one person well you, you have to have at least two people per t- no sorry no, you have you to have, have at least, at least two person. teams right you have to have at least Medium. two teams and at least one person per team yeah uh, and you have four teammates to select from. Yeah. 
Uh, so you can choose to distribute that however you want. And with the go orders, you get up to four different chances to time out executions. So like the example they gave in the manual was you could place two teams on either side of a door so that they'll respond to your go order. And when you give the go order, they will break in and uh, uh, storm the, with the room together. Right, which is, that's awesome. Cool. Like, yeah. that's super cool. We um, didn't quite figure out how to get it to work. And that's sort of the, the tricky part that this game is in in that it's doing a lot of very ambitious things that I'm sure have been done a million times better in newer Tom Clancy games. So sure. this this game makes me want to go play like a newer Rainbow Six game. Like I yeah. think I have Rainbow Six Vegas and I've just never played oh, it. There you go. Um, and because I'm sure because my biggest issue with this game was sort of the interface. The, the gameplay in depth was sort of beyond what the interface could process, sure. and that's part of it being a console game, much the way, like, StarCraft had so much going on. StarCraft, Battlezone had the same thing going yeah, on. Exactly, yeah, exactly, because you've got these characters with all the stats, all this equipment, and there's no sort of quick way to check on everyone or switch between... I mean, you can switch between your teams, but you don't know specifically what character you're commanding. or And none of this mattered too much because the core gameplay of just like turning a corner and shooting a guy works really well yeah um but it sort of makes that technical aspect slightly more effort than it's worth i i agree with that i agree with that um i i cut this one a lot of slack with the controls because i understand that they're trying to map a whole keyboard of stuff to an n64 controller and to that end i think they're pretty successful at prioritizing things it's definitely a little vertical sensitivity is terrible very very touchy uh and uh it it does not feel very intuitive to press the up button on the d-pad to open doors that's something we had to look at the controller map yeah there's an action button where you have to press the d-pad which means you're moving your left hand from the stick to the pad right but at the same time i was looking at things pressing it with your nose i don't know that i would do anything different necessarily no the it's a not it's like not zoom. it's not red storm's fault that the n64 controller is crazy right it's <laughs> really weird yeah, yeah yeah it's hard to program that unless you're like a, a weird like conceptual artist or yeah. something so yeah I, I i really think they did the best job they could mm-hmm. with this console and um, another thing i want to give it props for the music in this game is excellent yeah um like it's not super memorable but it's very tense it's very like, well whole, implemented yeah exactly there's, there's the whole super time super cool feature it of feels like cinematic there's like a jump music cue every time you open a door mm-hmm. even if there's nothing back there it's just every time you open the door because it wants to keep you tense yeah and this happened uh the downside of this is that we were both exploring different parts of the house you open the door got a scare noise and shot me right in the yeah. face and i died yeah because you, you die one each other. and as well you should be yeah let's get into this real quick yeah of me shooting you in the face mm-hmm. um yeah, this game has a two-player mode yes um and Man, it is a good two-player. This mode. is the best. This is the new best co-op I think we found on the sure. System. Um, yeah. It's right up there with NBA Hangtime Gauntlet Legends. Yeah, um, it, Forty Winks. Yeah, <laughs> wait, <laughs> no, not Forty Winks. Oh, damn, that was one. Of, that was the, wasn't one of the good ones. I um, yeah. So you, any mission that you play, whether in the main mode or the quick start mode, which just lets you basically skip right to the game and not do the menus. Right. Um, you can select one or two player. It's a verti- uh, a horizontal split. Wait, is it, yeah, it's a horizontal side. Yeah, horizontal side. Yeah, um, which is fine because most things side, are... Side tangent, but I, I only ever remember which the difference between vertical and horizontal 
But I remember an old episode of The Critic okay. where he mentions doing the horizontal bop. Okay. And then I think of the movie Vertical Limit about, <laughs> oh, <laughs> about rock climbers. Yeah. So that's my stupid mnemonic device for remembering that. For some reason, <laughs> I was really excited about the movie Vertical Limit because I have this real soft spot for mountain climbing movies. Um, it looked fun, yeah. And then at the end of that movie, like, spoiler alert for Vertical Limit, like, everybody <laughs> dies, basically, in that movie, except oh, yeah. for, like, the one main guy who then rescues his girlfriend and at the end it's like this big happy moment and they're like playing it like yay he's back and I'm like everybody, everybody died, died. Yeah. what about all those people why do they why is this a happy ending so in, basically what you're saying is watch Cliffhanger <laughs> yeah there's many be- better uh, really w- watch Free Solo that's that's the mountain climbing movie there you go, there you go. watch the f- opening couple of minutes of Mission Impossible 2 yeah it's or the, en- the end couple minutes of Mission Impossible Fallout I haven't seen it yet what? I'm, way, I'm rewatching the entire Mission Impossible series right now. Wow. I have not been this surprised by you since you I know. didn't know how to manual in Tony Hawk. I know, I know. Well, I, I didn't see Mission Impossible 5. Holy and, shit. And then I'm like, shit, I should just go back and rewatch the series. Mo- wow. I miss them. I hear they're great. I hear they're Did, great. You're watching the bad ones to like get to the good ones. Well, that's the, and I keep reading all these movie lists where Fallout is like being called one of the best movies it, of the century. Sure. I'm like, holy shit. Like, they're putting it on a par I mean, with I Mad like, Max Fury Road. Yeah, I like. I kind of like Ghost Protocol more but i love fallout this. Was anyway really we are way off on a tangent <laughs> well, we're not that all far off on a tangent like military, there's still military, military like, espionage yeah. action anyway climbing. um this game has a co-op mode <laughs> yes and um it's very good co-op <laughs> the game runs super smooth um i didn't notice there's no lag at all no um you can see things fine there's no hit to the graphical fidelity Mm-mm. um i think the music is a little more muted but not really well um, in, in co-op yeah they they keep the uh they keep the scare cues but they yeah. lose the ambient background music some i I noticed it a little bit, I think, in one of them. Anyway, maybe, yeah. um, And so you can play this however you want. Um, You can um, each control a team of two, and you can go together, or um, yeah, because in the one player mode, it's kind of annoying to have to go in the start menu and switch to the other team. And then walk them to where you wanted to be. And admittedly, this is probably because we didn't know how the waypoint system worked sure. very well. So I'm sure this can be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in when you play co-op, you don't have to deal with any of that because you just go together. Yeah. And it's really satisfying to have one person open the door, pick the lock on the door, and the other person, you know, and then you have to sidestep out of the way so you don't shoot your friend. Yeah. And then the other person sort of sprays fire in there. Well, and we mm-hmm. kind of fell into uh, a pattern, which I think is what you should be doing with a good co-op game, in that, like... We were communicating with mm-hmm. each other, and we were also starting to adopt the lingo of the game. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that's that's a good sign that, like, even something as lo-fi as this can get kind of get you involved in the action of it. Right. And that and, was um, so that's sort of the issue that we've encountered so much with, not that there's a ton of co-op games on this no. system, but so many of them are just like, you're both kind of playing the same game adjacent to each other. But not but, in tandem. But not working together. Exactly. Yeah. You're not working together. And this game really encourages you to work together. Yeah. And conversely, to not shoot each other in the face, even though that's what I did. A couple times. Yeah. 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 I got an itchy yeah. trigger finger, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm never playing Streets of Rage with you. <laughs> I feel like that's a trigger game for me. <laughs> it might start some issues. Uh, yeah. So uh, we, we get a uh, pretty generous uh, uh, auto aim, mm-hmm. which uh, honestly I appreciate because yeah. like we said the, the vertical uh, looking around with the analog sticks very very touchy uh, and this game I, I, again I'm being a little forgiving with it because mm-hmm. so much of the game is about 
slowly aligning your shots and slowly yeah. planning out your moves. So if you are getting into a zoom mode and looking at your target and kind of like slowly trying to move your reticle up to aim it while you have some this time, this game would be works well. Super frustrating if not for the generous auto aim. Yeah, 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 An- definitely. Another thing that this game does really well is um, it has three. Uh, three or four different difficulty modes that make um, a huge difference. Yeah, recru- so your default, your normal is like veteran, uh-huh. um, which you know you open doors and guys sort of open fire on you instantly, and you die real fast um, in the default mode. So we we toned it down a little bit to recruit scrub scrub difficulty, sure, um, which honestly might have been a little too easy. Yeah. Like I feel like they could have found a, a happy medium in between these two. But I'm I'm okay with that. I'm glad yeah. that the easiest difficulty feels like you could just are kind of cruising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I don't think this game is very long. I think there's only about twelve different missions from what Something I read. Something like that. And yeah, yeah. If you know where you're doing, do them fast. But if you're playing on the higher difficulties, it's going to take you a lot of retries and a lot of planning to do it well. And that could be a strategy, too. You go through it once in the easy mm-hmm. mode, then come back later, try it on a harder mode with implementing the tactics a little more. And you know, so you can, if you're a little more used to a twitchy shooter, if you go on the recruit mode on this, you can kind of do that. And especially uh, for a, a co-op game, I, I, I want my co-op games to be easy. Sure. Because I want to be able to play them with whoever and not have to be replaying a bunch of content definitely no i agree with that i agree with that uh let's see what else do we have to say about i mean the the interesting thing here is that uh there's no gun on screen Uh, we just get a target reticle but apparently the playstation i don't like it usually feels very disembodied and weird but i didn't bother me didn't bother me at all this one uh yeah and maybe it's just because it's one and you can can see your friend and you can see your friend walking around in your squad with you so you don't feel like you're just sort of floating through space and they, yeah, they can definitely. Sometimes you'll turn around and they're right there. And if you're if you're feeling yeah. twitchy, you will shoot your yeah, teammate. which is great. They're a little scary and they're kind of quiet. Uh, but yeah, the PlayStation version actually added uh, the gun on screen. It's the only one. The PC version doesn't have it, but the PlayStation version does. And interestingly, that PlayStation made it onto the uh, ill-fated PlayStation Classic that recently came oh, out. Oh, this game did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't buy, know. Buy it now Try for twenty out. bucks. Yeah, it's real cheap right now <laughs> if you want it. Uh, do we have anything else to say about Rainbow Six? I don't know. I really, really liked it. Yeah, no, it makes me want to want to play more. And I just, it's weird. It's weird to think of the three people whose names have been enduring on vi- on like video games, whose names are a brand in of themselves, mm-hmm. are Sid Meier, yeah. Tom Clancy, and John Madden. Who are three very different people? Very different people. Um, I mean, and two Sid of them is just a video game developer, right? Yeah, like, he he, is. he wasn't like a guy. No, he wasn't like a guy, of. but just yeah. somehow his name became representative of something. Yeah, and it's a weird. It's I don't know. It's also just an odd thing to think of because I think much of the way like John Madden has very little to do with football anymore. Sure. I don't even think he's a professional commentator. No, I think he's fully retired. Yeah. And Tom Clancy is dead. He is dead. But like Sid Meier probably lives in a castle. <laughs> yeah. I imagine him in a yeah, castle. Exactly. He's, he's got the, some advisors that bring him the news every he's day. He's the king of the Ottoman Empire. It's like, uh, sir, will you please stop making me dress like Cleopatra? No, I'm throwing my money at you. That's how uh, Sid Meier talks. Okay, Heavily great. Um, so it's just odd to me that I feel like it's Tom. These names have just sort of been they're representative of a franchise. A franchise and like the things that they originally started by representing don't really exist anymore. And he's just like, I want to play the Tom Clancy game because part of the Tom Clancy franchise, yeah, not anything to do with his books or anything like that. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. 
No, it, it, it was uh, it was really cool. And the series has proven to be very popular. Uh, like we said, Rainbow Six Siege is one of the Ubisoft's biggest sellers uh, ever. And it has a huge online following. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's it's sticking around. I might want to try one of the more recent games mm-hmm. because I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this one kind of surprised me. Yeah, uh, me too. Let's, let's move on to our rankings then. Sure. Let's see uh, how much they surprised us. <laughs> Uh, so each week we are ranking all of the games that we have just played. Currently we are up to uh, 149. So this is going to be our 150th game. Oh, exciting! Um, I'll kick us off sure. on this one. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm very, uh, very in favor of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just extremely well executed. It's unique. It's fun to play with people. One of the weird things about the N64 is the library of the ski system is so small mm-hmm. that you get a lot of games that are the only one of a certain genre it's on true. the system. It's true. Yeah, it's there's a- nothing else but i mean there really aren't very many games like this uh, it depends what if you're playing like ps3 there's probably uh, a ton on uh, maybe maybe but yeah, yeah like that's fair n64 you don't have many choices but it is still this. a little bit of a, of a of a niche you know yeah. as far as a tactical uh, military shooter but yeah no i, I quite like this um this this is a little sleeper hit i think this is cracking the top 10 for me holy this is, smokes this is going at my new number nine okay yeah new number nine right between uh star fox 64 above and tony hawk's pro skater below Bro, three Okay. Not supposed to get your three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really good. Really good. I, and a lot of, I think this would be cool for people to hear because I don't think a lot of people realize this game came out on this system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got lost in the shuffle, but uh, this is a very good way to play this game. Sure. And, you know, I, it's hard. I don't, I'm, you know, your PC is going to be able to run this with no issues. If, sure. If you can find, I don't know. Or it's maybe it's a be, ton of issues. I don't know. It's Running probably going to be ugly be as very hell, hard. regardless where you're playing uh, it, because it's 20 years old. Yeah, I like I like this a lot, too. Um, my, you know, my rating is going to be a lot lower than yours, okay. um, as is tradition. <laughs> as is tradition. Um, but I also think that it was it was very fun. Um, I guess I maybe I just haven't played it enough to sort of crack the games that I have nostalgia for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would, I think I would either enjoy it much more or much less if I took the time to sort of try and understand all the tactical systems in mm-hmm. this game. Um, because if they work really well, like I would really enjoy it. Whereas they might just not work well, and then I would lose a little respect for the game. Okay. But whether they're there or not, it's still a super fun, tense game. Um, and I'm gonna put it at number 31. Oh wow, um, Okay. Yeah. Which, but again, that's still, still a mid game that I really like. Yeah, you're um, you're up there with like Busta Move 99 yeah. and Extreme G, which were both, yeah. Like, I'm gonna put it so it's right under Gauntlet Legends, which is one yeah. of my favorite, which I think is a great game. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. So yeah, I agree. One of it's. I feel like we've gone through a, a little bit of a spat of playing some garbage. Yeah. Um. So it's nice to play a game I'm excited about. Yeah, I was very Sorry. excited about it. This one. This one surprised me because mm-hmm. just in, in the sense that it's not a genre I usually go to. It's not a, a franchise I usually go to. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I can see why it's stuck around and why it stayed popular. We have one letter this week. Hooray! Uh, one little brief one, but uh, worth mentioning. So, hello again, Stephen Woody. When you were talking last week about uh, no other all-women's sports games, you oh, brought yeah. up the DOA games, but decided they didn't count, which, yeah. Uh, it reminded me of an all-women wrestling game on PS2 uh, called Rumble Roses. It yes! Was, yeah, I remember this game. I've forgotten about it completely, yeah, but uh, this this brought it right back. It was just as pervy as the DOA games, <laughs> complete with a mud wrestling mode, but it was actually a fun arcade fighting game, and definitely not the shining, but definitely not <laughs> yeah. the shining example that we would like. Anyway, keep the shows coming. That's from Adam. Yeah, thank yeah, you, Adam. Uh, I, yeah, women are actually fairly well represented in wrestling games and in fighting games. There's like an all-girl fighting game called Skull Girls that was really cool. Sure. came out recently. And that game has a sort of more 
cool anime vibe than like a super pervy vibe yeah, the sure, way sure. Roses does. Yeah, but as far as like straight up sports sims, it's still very rare. Yeah. Um yeah, so we're we're hoping to see that turn around a little bit. Anyway, uh, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week because yeah, we tune in next are... week when I do a hilarious bit where I think that the next round, where I make this <laughs> joke, where the next round is going to be the Tom Clancy games. I totally did that on purpose and not because I was confused recording them out of order. <laughs> no, so no all. listener, it was a hilarious bit. It was a hilarious. Yeah, bit. So stay you'll, tuned for that. You'll get to hear it. It soars high because <laughs> we are up in the sky with Pilot Wing sixty four and uh, another flying game called Arrow Fighters Assault. So uh, lots of people have uh, have a lot of fondness for pilot wings. So uh, it's the fewer very first people N64 have fondness games. for Arrow Fighters Assault. Uh, fewer people have name recognition yeah. for Arrow Fighters Assault, and they might be scratching their heads. But we're going to talk about that one next week, and you're going to want to be here for that. And you might be a redneck if you're not. And I don't know why I turned into Jeff Foxworthy all of a sudden, and now it's turning a little bit of Bill Clinton as I'm losing my voice. Thanks for That's listening, all everyone. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>